Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a little bit of a celebration of the 100th episode of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. We're going to go over some headlines. We're going to preview the Steelers game, some concerns, some strategies, and my idea for the first series. And then we're going to have a roundtable discussing the divisional and AFC rivals. And it's going to feature Tom McLevy, Justin Lacey, and Jordan Hines. And Casey Norris is also going to come in to review the schedule and his predictions going into this 17-week season. And then on top of that, we're going to welcome in some dear friends of the show. A couple surprises, so you're going to be hearing some familiar voices come back to the podcast and uh, have a, a nice little celebration for this 100th episode. This is Seb Kennedy from Seb Talk Sports, and welcome to the 100th episode of the Unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Unofficial Bengals podcast. Congratulations, Frank. 100 episodes. Man, this is like a dream come true. I can't believe that I'm this far into it. This is something that I've always wanted to do. And as anyone who has listened to the show before, you know that the Cincinnati Bengals are my favorite thing in the world. And to be able to talk about them and throw out my crazy ideas and observations is really a bucket list dream for me. And the podcast came about, this was something that I wanted to do for a while. And a couple of years back, I decided I was going to do like a test version of it. And it was just me going over the roster. And I, I listened back and I was like, this is boring. This might not be for you. I was rambling on for like an hour. And I just, I kind of shelved the idea because I didn't think that I was going to be that good at it. And then some time went by. I started doing some acting gigs and that was building up my confidence. And reading off a teleprompter was helping my delivery. So then when the pandemic hit, I decided, you know what, let me give it another shot. We're, you know, we're going to be picking first in the draft. We're probably going to get Joe Burrow. It's going to be a new day for this team. And that's what happened. I, I just started it up in April of 2020, and I haven't looked back. And I, I really want to thank all of you who listen and who care about the show. It's been great because I've met a lot of people. I've met people from the organization. I've met fans from all over the world. And it's just been such a rewarding experience to do this podcast. And yes, my goal is to be the number one podcast. My goal is to make a living doing this full time or eventually working for the Cincinnati Bengals. Are those things going to happen? Who knows? You know, the odds are stacked up against you when you, when you dream big. But I'm just going to keep going because I love doing this and it's a great time for me. And again, thanks for listening. All right, with that said, it is Steelers week. So let's move on to the headlines, and we'll talk about the Steelers, the game, NFL Week 1. It is all upon us right now. So you know I always like to follow the Joe Burrow press conferences, and this episode is going to come out before his Wednesday conference leading up to the game. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to talk about what he says there, but there's one thing that he said this week, and I know a lot of you have heard it, and it's just one sentence, and I want to just repeat it because it shows the swag it shows the confidence, and it makes me as a fan feel confident. Joe Burrow says, if you decide to play man, good luck. And he's exactly right, because these receivers can beat anyone one-on-one. -on -one. And if any defense wants to sell out and try to stop mixing, these wide receivers, each one of them can pick you apart. Joe knows that. I like the fact that he just said it with such bravado. And that's our quarterback, and that's our leader, and that's why everyone's rallying behind this guy. 
All right, on to the injuries. So we have Khalid Kareem with a hamstring. He's going to be out for a little bit of time. Tyson Anderson appears on the injury report, unfortunately, and he has a hamstring. So that could take a couple weeks for him to get back to normal. It's good that we have Mike Thomas in his place. So we're not going to totally be missing Tyson, but hoping he gets back to the lineup soon because you want to see him have a successful rookie year and develop and not miss too much time. Same thing with Cameron Taylor Britt. The core injury was to the abdomen, so that's going to take a little while for him to feel right again. And again, we don't want to have a lost rookie season for him, so hopefully you know, it takes a month or so, four to six weeks, he's back in action and gets some valuable playing time this year. And then Isaiah Prince has an elbow-bicep thing, and that's going to keep him on the injured list for the beginning of the year as well. With the other offensive linemen that we have, it's not a total loss to have Prince out. I think Deontay Smith would be the next tackle in off the bench anyway. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the Prince injury stacks up as time goes by. All right, then on to some roster moves. Kendrick Pryor got snatched, and the Jaguars took him and put him on the active roster. And I guess I stand corrected there because I was like, you know, protect Irwin, expose Pryor, and it really was probably the other way around. Irwin probably could have stayed out there as he did and, and be signed to our practice squad. Where prior, I guess they just saw a young talent who was really excelling in the preseason. So unfortunately, that's one of the casualties. You can't keep everybody. When you expose guys, you know, there's a chance that someone else is going to sign them. So congratulations to Kendrick Pryor on making a 53-man roster. Unfortunately, it's not in Cincinnati. Then there was a lot of talk this week about signing O.J. Howard. And, and, you know, we all get excited about stuff like that when there's kind of like a a known commodity or a first-round pick or a guy who's had some success in the league and you see that he's out there and you see that the Bengals are talking with him. So a lot of us, me included, were like, okay, you know, we're going to have now O.J. Howard and Hayden Hurst. This is going to be an insane one-two punch. I guess he didn't pass the physical or something happened when the team met with him because they decided not to sign him. I know he's had some major injuries in the past and that probably contributed to the fact that he's not on the roster but then the Bengals went out and got Devin Asiasi, who they're really excited about. He's more of a blocking tight end. So I guess they were looking to fill in a tight end spot somewhere with Wilcox being down. And Howard didn't work out, so they have a tight end who's more of a blocking specialist instead. And the Bengals decided to keep six wide receivers and four running backs. That says something for Travion Williams. I thought they were going to go 7-3 and three like last year, but you know they made it all work. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with the skill position players that we have. And what what a tough game it is for everybody as far as like making an NFL roster. If you're not like you know in that elite status, it's a real mystery. It's a real emotional thing. It messes with your mind a little bit. Um, even in in the case of this year, you had Brandon Allen, both Mike Thomases, and Travion Williams cut right after the 53 was announced, and that's you know that's kind of free falling for these players. I, I'm sure the Bengals talked to him and said, hey, we're, we're going to bring you back, obviously. But it's still weird to be, you know, again, it's that calling your whole family, yeah, I'm on the 53, Mom. And then next thing you know, you're a headline at the bottom of ESPN saying that you were waived. So they did bring back all of these guys. But, it again, that shows the trials and tribulations of being in the NFL. And why they needed to do this was to put people on injured reserve and, and get clearance. You have to – you can't just – put people on injured reserve that aren't on your roster. Like, like that would, teams could take advantage of that and stockpile people. So in this case, you actually have to have them on the roster, expose other players, and then put them on injured reserve and bring back those exposed players. And I guess the Bengals were thinking no one's going to take Brandon Allen, Mike Thomas, Mike Thomas, or Travion, 
and I'm surprised. I, I think any one of these guys could have found a home on another team. But, you know, most teams have their guys already, and they're, everyone's doing the same thing as us. They're trying to just protect the core of guys that they have. So a lot of teams aren't looking to take other people's bottom-of-the-roster guys. And that's why, fortunately, we were able to bring these, these guys back. And the guys that we're bringing back, I think, are going to be very productive. Mike Thomas is going to be all over special teams. I believe Mike Thomas, the receiver, is going to be the fourth wide receiver. Travion is, you know, one injury, one minor injury away from getting in there and getting some action. And Brandon Allen is one major injury away from being our quarterback. So they all have a chance to contribute, and I'm glad that we were able to get all of them back. And with that said, they released Lamont Galliard with an injury settlement. So that was a case of, you know, we have enough guards now. You're you're down on the list. And he was someone that I thought was going to make the team. The way that they were using him in preseason and the fact that he has a lot of NFL experience, I thought that he was going to be one of the backup guards. But I guess when they got Max Sharping from the, uh, from the Texans, they figured that he would have that role and they wouldn't need Lamont Galliard anymore. So... That's the case with that. And that brings me to the three guys that they signed from other teams and brought to the roster. I've already mentioned two of them. Devin Asiasi, a blocking tight end, third-year player, a third-round pick for New England. So that says something. And he's been in 10 NFL games. So he's someone that has some experience. The Bengals like what they see. And we'll see what kind of contributions he can make this season. Max Sharping, who we just talked about, was a second-round pick out of Houston. Fourth-year player, 48 games played, 33 starts. Now, that Texans line was not good last year. I didn't watch tape on Max Sharping, so I don't know how much he contributed to them being a poor offensive line. But the Bengals saw something that they liked. He's a high draft pick, which means he did very well in college and has the physical attributes to be a good player. You know, when you're picked in those first few rounds, you're not just a successful athlete, but you have those intangibles and you have the physical traits to make you that high of a pick. So maybe we'll get something out of Max Sharping if, if, you know, if need be, and we need to go to the backup guards. And then the third player that we picked up is Jay Tufele, a second-year player, a fourth-round pick from Jacksonville, and he's played in four NFL games. So you know that's someone who's going to be in the defensive tackle rotation pretty much right away. We'll see what he has to offer. A young player, again, for you to go and grab a guy from another team, you probably like him a lot. So the Bengals saw something in Tufele that they liked too. And again, I hope he's very productive in Bengal uniform as well. And I'm not sure if you guys know, but the Steelers always do this. And the Bengals did this this year back to the Steelers, where we signed Nate Gilliam and put him on the practice squad, at least for the first couple weeks. Gives you that inside intel on the Steelers. It's someone who was with them for a few weeks and a few months of the preseason. And the Steelers, of course, did it with us. They picked up Justin Rigg, the tight end, who was with us through, throughout the preseason. I thought they were going to get him on the practice squad, and now he's on the Steelers practice squad. And is it because they like Justin Rigg? Is it because that he's Friar Muth's heir apparent? No, it's because they want to know as much as they can about the inner workings of the Bengals and the offense in preparation for Week 1. And they also signed old friend Rennell Wren. Now, he's a little over a year removed from being in Cincinnati, so he doesn't have as much inside info as they probably want. I don't know if that was to get info on us or they just like him as a player, but you have Rig and Wren who joined the enemy. And lastly, the Bengals announced the practice squad, and most of those guys were people that we predicted to go there, and they did put Adam Midas and Crispin there. So I know they want to keep those guys around, and it goes to show that they have 
a, a long snapper and a punter on the practice squad, which you don't see a lot of teams doing. And they'll keep them there unless they start getting light with injuries at other positions. And we all know linebackers, defensive tackles, those are positions where you seem to get the most injuries. So if anything happens there and we lose some depth, you know, you might you might see Chrisman and Adamitis get left on the street for a little while. And like last year, Chrisman was playing ping pong with being on the roster, off the roster, back on, back off. So we'll see what happens with those guys this year. And then they brought in three other practice squatters from other teams. Nick Bowers, who's a tight end, second-year player, played five games with the Raiders. I don't know much about him. Yusef Corker, he was a rookie that was waived by the Giants. And Marvell Tell third. Second-year player, fifth-rounder for the Colts, 13 games experience. So there's three new practice squatters. Again, don't know much about them, and we'll see what happens with them this year if they ever make it up to the active roster and get to contribute. Yo, it's Corey O'Neill, host of the Grease Pole Podcast, and I had to stop by and congratulate my guy, Frank. Congratulations on your 100th episode, brother. It's been an honor and a blast to be a part of a couple episodes, a couple of the great ones, the many great ones you put together. And, you know, it's we're at a stage now where it is entirely possible that your Bengals and my beloved Eagles may face each other in the Super Bowl, but you guys have a way more difficult route in the AFC because your conference is a murderer's road. The NFC is kind of cheeks, so we have the way easier path. But regardless, I'm happy for you, man. And nobody, nobody does what we do quite like you. It is a very, very thankless job sometimes. A lot of people don't know the countless hours behind the scenes that go into what we do. And you do a hell of a job, man. It's been an honor to be a part of this ride with you. And it's even more of a privilege to call you a friend. Congratulations, Frank, on the 100th episode. And cheers to many more ahead of you. As always, you know I had to end it this way. Go Birds. Week 1 Preview, Cincinnati Bengals versus Pittsburgh Steelers. First play, you have Chase all the way out on the left. You have Hurst as a tight end on the left side. We have Boyd in the slot on the right, and we have Higgins all the way to the right on the outside, Mixon in the backfield. What we're going to do on this first play is just going to be a well-designed slant to Jamar Chase because we want to involve him early. We want to get him going. We want to let the whole league know, watch out. This guy is going to have another phenomenal year. We want to put the Steelers on their heels like, oh, man, it's going to be a Jamar Chase day. I think it's the perfect way to start this game. A nice quick throw so you don't put Burrow in any, in any harm's way. And we're going to use this slant to set up a deep ball later on in the first series. Other plays I'd like to see in the first series, let's have Mixon run behind Kappa and Collins and go right at T.J. Watt. He's an aggressive player, excellent against the pass, obviously very good against the run too. But let's just say, hey, we're going to go at one of your strengths. We're going to see how Kappa and Collins fare, and we're just going to try to blast that right side of the line and get Mixon four, five, six yards on at least a play or two in the first series. Also to let the defense know, it's not just going to be Joe Burrow throwing over top. You better keep your eye on Mixon because we're not going to just abandon the run. I'd like to see Hayden Hurst do a nice in from across the formation. So, you know, you set him up on the right side. You have a couple wide receivers. You know, you run some clever patterns on the outside. But the real design is you just have Hurst going from right to left, you know, beating a linebacker to the outside, hit him in stride. Maybe he takes that 18 yards down the sideline. And then the big play that I wanted to set up with the first play 
So we're going to have Higgins all the way left, Hurst on the left, and Boyd and Chase on the right. Now, I'd like to have Joe roll out to the right to TJ Watt's side. Let TJ come in aggressively. Let's set it up where we can kind of seal him off and get to the outside. And we're just going to have Boyd do a little comeback there as someone underneath in case Chase isn't open. And we're going to have Chase do like a little skinny slant, skinny post, and up. And Burrow's just going to heave it downfield. Hopefully the safeties get a little tricked or just Chase beats everybody and we get a nice 45-yard touchdown pass on the first series. Forget it. You do that and you have Chase make that big of a play on your first drive, it's checkmate. Okay, let's talk about offensive strategy concerns and defensive strategy and concerns. So offensively, I guess what worries me the most is the Pittsburgh defensive line. T.J. Watt is on top of the league. Cameron Hayward is devastating on the inside. Ogan Joby is a great player, and he knows our offense, so he's going to be very dangerous. And then you have an assortment of other guys who can come in and blitz. You know, you have your high smiths. They're going to use Miles Jack to be an aggressive member of that defense. You never know where he's going to be coming from. The Steelers are also good with blitzing defensive backs. So there's a lot to worry about as far as the pass rush and the front of the Steelers. Moving on to the rest of the defense, linebackers, I don't know. You know, Devin Bush was someone that we all wanted in Cincinnati. He hasn't totally worked out as a pro, but he still has that first-round pedigree. So he's someone that you need to watch out for. And we don't know how they're going to use Miles Jack. I think that's a real big wild card in this defense. If he plays to the back of his football card, as the quote goes, he's going to be a lot of trouble for us and for other teams. So he's someone that a lot of people aren't talking about, but I'm very concerned about. And then you move on to the secondary probably the weakest part of their defense. There's a lot of vulnerabilities out there. They lost a couple guys. They're experimenting with another few guys in there. So at corner, they're a little bit compromised. But then you move on to the safety position with Fitzpatrick and Edmonds, and you have two very good players there who you have to be careful with. You can't get sloppy with the ball. Those guys cause a lot of turnovers. So there's something to be concerned about. So with that said, now we know who's against us with that Steelers defense. And remember, You have Brian Flores and Terrell Austin also scheming up things. And you know that they've been working for months on how to attack Joe Burrow and this offensive line. And, you know, those are some very good defensive minds. And they're going to come in with a game plan. Whether we have the better personnel or not, they're going to come in prepared and with a a wicked plan to do damage to our, our offensive skill players. So we have to be careful about the coaching aspect as well. I know Austin was a defensive coordinator for us for one year, and he didn't have a lot of success here. But he's still been around the league. He's still a very well-respected coach. So we can't sleep on the coordinators for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So here's how I would attack this defense. Early on in the game, let's get the ball out quick. Let's not take the chance of Watt having another all-pro season. Let's not take the risk on if our guys can hold up against Hayward and Ogunjobi. Let's get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands very quickly and you know check down to those one-on-ones, some quick slants, three-step drops, throwing to the tight end, even throwing to the running backs. No no big dropbacks early. We're going to try to set that up later. And what you want to do is, in the first couple drives, you want to see how well Collins is holding up against Watt. You want to see how well Joan is holding up to whoever they're bringing on the other side. You want to make sure that Volson's not getting fooled by exotic stunts and crazy blitzes and, and that Kappa and Karras are holding up. You want to just make sure that the offensive line is doing what you think it can do, and then you can start taking some deeper drops and going downfield, and that's exactly what I would like to do later in the game. So we start off just quick passing, lots of action with the running backs, 
And then once we get a little more confidence in the line's ability, then we start unleashing Joe Burrow on that secondary. And it's not going to be pretty. If we, if Joe Burrow can get some blocking, we're going to really exploit that secondary. And this could be a huge game for putting up points and you know the chance to blow Pittsburgh out, to be honest with you. It'll be nice to try to use Chris Evans in this game too because, like I said, you want to involve the running backs in the passing game against the Steelers, and we all want to involve Chris Evans a lot more. So this is the perfect marriage of those two philosophies and hoping that he gets a handful of receptions for a bunch of yards and a touchdown this game as well. And then you're going to have Tyler Boyd on Arthur Mollette, and that's a big mismatch. So that's something to think about. If if they're matched up one-on-one frequently, you could see Boyd having a monster game against him. Higgins is going to be on the outside corners. I believe Sutton will probably be covering Higgins quite a bit. And that's another matchup that, that's way in our favor. And then Chase on anyone is a matchup in our favor. And, you know, hopefully they need to commit Minka a little more to helping out on Chase. And that just opens up everything else. You know, you want to see Hayden Hurst get involved. I guess I'm talking about everybody being involved because we have so many weapons. But really... Get Chase involved early. Let's establish Hurst because there's no real film on Hayden Hurst in a Bengals offense. So that's something that you could take teams by surprise with, especially week one and especially against Pittsburgh. And I'm also a fan of keeping Joe Burrow on the move as well. If the blocking isn't holding up like we want to, let's get him rolling out. Let's not just make him a stationary target back there. But there's a lot of things to exploit in this game, and I guess it's going to depend on what every game is going to depend on how well Joe Burrow is protected. And if he gets some time to throw, this is going to be a big win for Cincinnati. All right, when we're on defense, what concerns me? I'll be honest, we don't know if it's Trubisky or Pickett playing, but I'm assuming it's going to be Trubisky. And I think really one of the most dangerous things that the Steelers offense could bring is Trubisky scrambling, or even Kenny Pickett scrambling. Like, I'm just having this negative foreshadowing of it being like a third and 14 and Trubisky scampering for 15 yards and things like that. So that's something that we need to watch out for more than the arms of these quarterbacks, just the legs and them getting out of trouble in long distances and being able to convert first downs. You know they're going to be using Najee Harris early and often as well. We had pretty good success against him last year, so he's someone that you have to be aware of at all times because you know they're going to get him 20-plus carries and they're going to try to get him the ball in space. So that's someone that we're going to have to be fully aware of this whole game. You can't sleep on Benny Snell. I think he's a great backup running back. And then you go to the receiving core, including the tight end. Deontay Johnson is a big threat. I don't know if he's fully healed from that shoulder injury in preseason. Mike Tomlin, what are you doing? But, hey, you get what you deserve there. Chase Claypool is always a threat, even though he's not one of my favorites. It always seems like the Pittsburgh Steelers have a wide receiver that we just don't like. And my choice for that right now is Claypool. Just, I don't know, he's a little arrogant, and that whole thing last year where he's celebrating instead of rushing the ball back to be spotted, those are all things that make a player unlikable. And he wears the golden black, so that's an obvious reason to not like these guys. And George Pickens, nephew of Carl Pickens, they're predicting big things out of this rookie. He's going to be in the slot, and you know they're going to get him involved early just to get his season off on the right foot. And then Pat Fryermuth, they're going to be going to him all day. So those are the, the big things to worry about, I would say, would be their use of Harris and Fryermuth, and then those receivers, if you sleep on them, they can hurt you. Offensive line is a very big weak spot for this team, and that's nice to see. Just not a lot of talent up there, and they struggled in preseason, and hopefully our guys can really get after them. We'll go over some strategies on how to do that in just a sec. 
And just, again, back to the coaching. They're a well-coached team. They're coming in with a game plan. They've been worrying about Cincinnati for the last few months, so they're not going to come in underprepared. So, again, just like on the other side of the ball, even though we have more talent, they're coming to win an NFL game as well and a divisional game as well. So you can't sleep on the Steelers. We can't underestimate the Steelers by any stretch. Now, as far as some defensive strategy, I think there are a couple players that are going to factor really big. I think using Dax Hill as a spy, spying the quarterback, covering tight ends, I think that's going to be a major role for him in this game. Trey Flowers on Fryermuth is probably going to happen a bunch as well. So that's another thing that we like to do is get that big corner on a great tight end rather than a linebacker. And I think that's the key here. Let's try not to have too many one-on-ones with a linebacker on Fryermuth because he's going to win a lot of those where hopefully Dax Hill can get adjusted and be able to cover an elite tight end like that. And again, spying Trubisky. As, and we're going to talk later in the show with Casey Norris. He was really the one who gave me that idea. You know, I was, I was thinking that Hill was going to be basically covering people when he was in the game, but he made a good point that that's, a, that's an excellent player to spy quarterbacks, and you have a lot of mobile quarterbacks that we're going to be playing this year, and this could be the right answer with someone like Dax Hill, 4-3-8 speed, a lot of on-the-field awareness. That could be the Bengals' big counteraction to all these fast quarterbacks. We want to take advantage of that bad offensive line. Could be a monster game for Hendrickson and Hubbard. Even on the inside guys might do some damage as well. And you know they're going to be game planning again for Hendrickson and Hubbard, just like we would be for a TJ Watt or a Miles Garrett. So we, I'm thinking Hendrickson comes in and gets a sack or two this game. Maybe the Steelers really overcompensate and make sure that doesn't happen. And I think that opens the door for some other guys. I think Joseph Asai has the chance to have a sack or two this game. And Jeffrey Gunter has the ability to make some good plays too. Because there's not a lot of tape on them in a Bengals uniform. And it's easy to prepare for Hendrickson when you have 20 games from last year to study his moves. There's not that much out there on Osai and Gunter. So look for them to be silent contributors to that pass rush in this game. And you want to keep the defensive tackle rotation fresh. You know, we have five of them on the roster, and let's use all five because they're going to be running Najee a lot in this game. And, you know, you want to have fresh guys out there and not just have the same look constantly. And defensive tackles get worn down very easily, especially when there's a running back carrying 20, 25 times. So this is a game that you really want to rotate those defensive tackles. And I like Mike Hilton versus George Pickens in the slot. You know, the Steelers are really banking on him being very productive this year. And Pickens does have the size and strength over Hilton, but Hilton's an experienced corner in this league, and I think that's going to be a very good matchup. I guess the the vulnerability would be if Pickens catches it in space and Hilton has to one-on-one tackle him. That might be a slight mismatch. But as far as coverage and even physicality at the line of scrimmage, I think those are all things where Hilton can excel at, and I'm... I'm not predicting a massive game out of Pickens in his first game with a little unsureness at quarterback and against a very, very good slot corner. And the rest of the DBs have to do their job. I mean, we're assuming that Awuzie can shut down Johnson. We're assuming that Apple can keep Claypool from having a monster game. You know, those are big things that are going to matter here. But they do have the safety help. You do have the, the Dax Hill factor. Jesse Bates is going to be coming in fully healthy, ready to go, ready to prove himself. So yes, they can be very dangerous on the outside with the receivers as well. But I'm really more concerned about Fryermuth, the quarterback scrambles, 
and Najee possibly having a big game, although I don't think that's going to happen. So with all that said, I think the Bengals are going to score a lot of points this game. I just think that everything is going to be clicking for us, and I have the Bengals winning this game 37-17. Hey, it's Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter, Mike Santagata, and I just want to say... Congratulations, Frank, on 100 episodes of the Unofficial Bengals podcast. I still remember when I was just some guy with, like, maybe 10 followers on Twitter, and all I talked about was uh, just, like, an insert ISO play. And Frank was so kind and, I mean, had a nice eye for talent, just didn't care about the followers, just said, like, oh, dude, do you know this stuff? Are Are you, like, up to date on football scheme and all this other type of stuff i'd love to have you on my podcast and then turn into a whole segment first recurring segment and first podcast i ever did so i have a lot of love for the unofficial Bengals podcast even though i'm now doing my own thing elsewhere i still listen and i still every time he calls i just you know (laughs) one of my one of the friends i've made from having this account and one of the great dudes on in the Bengals circle so congratulations again on 100 episodes frank hope to see 100 more welcome to the 2022 season roundtable with tom mclevy justin lacy and jordan hines all right for the 100th episode i gathered some phenomenal guests for a roundtable and i'm so happy to introduce all these guys first off we have a longtime member of the unofficial bengals podcast who, out of 100 episodes, has probably been on 70 or 80 of them. I'd like to introduce Tom McLevy. Tom, how are you today? Frank, congratulations on the 100th episode. And, um, hey guys, how you doing? Next is someone who joined right about halfway through and has probably been on about 50 episodes. And I always say, this is going to be the next great talk show host of NFL football in America I'd like to welcome a very dear friend, Justin Lacey. Justin, how are you today? I'm doing great, Frank. Thank you so much for the intro. Congratulations. It's an honor to be on the 100th episode of the Unofficial Bengals podcast. Thank you, my friend. And I'd like to welcome in our third panelist to the roundtable from the Sports Dude Hind Show, also the owner of Houday Nation News, which is one of the largest Bengals Instagram accounts out there. I've appeared on his show, and we've had lots of dialogue about this team and this guy really knows his stuff. I'd like to welcome in Jordan Hines. Jordan, how are you today? I'm doing really, really good. I appreciate you having me. And, you know, 100th episode is quite an accomplishment. Uh, congratulations on the 100th episode. And I'm really excited to talk about Bengals today. Excellent. Thank you, Jordan. Really a pleasure having you here. So let's get right down to business. I'm going to ask each one, one of you your prognosis for the Cincinnati Bengals for the 2022 season. We'll start with Tom McLevy. Tom, what are you thinking about this season? Expectations, concerns, anything that comes to mind? It's good that we're going under radar. You know, everybody's talking Buffalo, Chargers, in the AFC. And, you know, nobody's talking about the Bengals. You know, so I think we're going in very quietly, but I think we're going to handle our business again this year. Love to hear it. Justin, what are your thoughts on that topic? Well, the, the general feeling that I get is that 
I don't feel like that this team is going to be coming into the season with a Super Bowl hangover, that they've done something incredibly special and they want to ride the emotions in the high of last year. This team just seems like that they're buttoning themselves up to make an even stronger run. You know, obviously you got to start off through the regular season before you go into the playoffs, but they made smart moves. They made smart additions. There are some questionable ones that we were probably going to talk about today, but overall, I really like the great synopsis of what I see from the team. Jordan, what about you? Uh, I agree with Justin. You look at it, I don't think this team's going to suffer through a Super Bowl hangover. I mean, last year, we're one minute away from winning the Super Bowl with a horrible offensive line. We get three new starters, absolute studs in the offensive line. There's no reason this team shouldn't be back in the Super Bowl, one of the AFC North once again. There's lots of hope for this Bengals team this year, deservingly so. And uh, hopefully this year we're able to win a Super Bowl, unlike last year. But there's lots to be hopeful for this year as a Bengals fan. It's great. All of us are on the same page. We're all thinking, hey, we're a good team right now, and there's going to be good things happening for us this year. So, you know, well-deserved. We've all suffered through a lot in the past, but those days are over. All right, let's specifically go into our division. So I want to talk about each one of our divisional rivals, and we're going to start with Jordan on this one. Jordan, I know you're fairly close to Pittsburgh, and there's a lot of Pittsburgh fans in your town. So let's start off with Pittsburgh what do, you, what are you feeling about them and how we fare with them and any concerns or expectations against Pittsburgh? I know I'm probably going to be on the, in the minority here, but I think Pittsburgh is the biggest threat to the division. I know it might sound crazy, but to me, when you look at the Steelers last season, as bad as Ben Roethlisberger was last year, they were still able to make it to the postseason. The Steelers, you know, not a lot of people talk about it last year. You know, obviously the Bengals won the division. But the Steelers were only half a game away from winning the AFC North last year, despite the poor play of Roethlisberger. Now they get Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. By no means are either one of those quarterbacks great. But if they can just play average, you know, turnover-free football, like 200 yards, a touchdown here and there, I really think this Pittsburgh team is a team to watch out for to possibly dethrone us uh, from being uh, two-time AFC North champions. This defense is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, T.J. Watt tied the sack record. By only playing 15 games, uh, Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the NFL year after year after year. He's proved once again why he's great at what he does. And um, I really think Pittsburgh, to me, is probably, the, in my opinion, I think the biggest threat in the AFC North to the Bengals this year. Wow, you know, that's an interesting take. And, yeah, you probably are in the minority there, but when you start talking about it, it makes a lot of sense. Justin, how are you feeling about Pittsburgh? I'm going to actually say similar to what Jordan just said. Um, you know, it's obviously easily disputed that, hey, Pittsburgh is going to have a setback year where they're going to be having a soft rebuild. But I made the statement on one, I think I believe on the last episode of your show when we were talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And one of the things that I said was that I don't think they're going to be as bad as what everybody thinks they are. I mean, it's so easy to kind of pencil them in the last place because of the quarterback situation. And this is obviously before Deshaun Watson's suspension was announced. But just something just tells me that the Steelers brand and the Steelers brass just kind of keeps them afloat every year. You know, this team hasn't had a losing season, I think, since 2002, maybe 2003, maybe. But even in spite of that, they just still knows how to just win games based off of pure mental toughness alone. Now, I won't go as far as saying that they're going to be a playoff contender. Well, with seven teams in the AFC, it's pretty tough, you know, to not make the playoffs, I guess, at this point. But it's a loaded it's a loaded conference. But ultimately, I think that Pittsburgh is still going to be right there. I think that they're probably going to be maybe a, a 8 and a 9, 9 and 18 this season. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, 
I, I will never count them out. You know, we can look no further than week one. They might start off slow, but they also might have a really good start to the season as well, too. They started off last season playing against the Buffalo Bills, and they ended up going into Orchard Park and beating Josh Allen and company. And that wasn't a pretty win at all, but their defense just carried them to a whole, just to a whole win that day. So I, I think that Pittsburgh, they have some good pieces on their team. You know, I understand that a lot of Bengals fans don't want to hear other Bengals fans kind of propelling them up, but you got to be realistic, man. They, they've built a good culture for many years, and that culture is sustainable. Yeah, you know what? Powerful takes there as well. Tom, how are you feeling about Pittsburgh this year? I think they're going to take a, a step back. Uh, I still don't think they have a good offensive line, and I think that's going to catch up with them. Hey, you know what? Good point. Let's let's circle back to Pittsburgh for one sec, and um, I think everyone made valid points there. They are a well-coached team. They have a culture where they, they're just never in the bottom of the league, and they do have a great defense, and they're going to have a good running game, and those are two ways to win in the NFL and, and go into the playoffs. Now, I also agree that offensive line is very vulnerable, but really what concerns me about Pittsburgh, and I want to be one of those guys that says, oh, you know, they're going to be 5-12 and 12 this year, but we all know that's not true, and we all know that as much as we love the Bengals, there's a shot that Pittsburgh might upset us on opening day. You know, that could happen, and then everyone's going to be in doomsday mode. And even if we lose that first game, it doesn't have any reflection. We know we're still going to go on to the playoffs and hopefully beyond that. But I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh came in and upset us with a good game plan, a few breaks don't go our way. You know, we're, we're all going into that game with a lot of swag and a lot of confidence. Like, there's no way that this down Pittsburgh team is going to beat us. But, you know, it's a concern. But really, the most concern I have about Pittsburgh is their defensive line. Because if you look, obviously T.J. Watt is on top of the league. Him and Burrow have a little bit, a little bit of a spat anyway. And then you bring in someone like Hayward, who's unstoppable, even with your your Kappa and Karras's, who are great offensive linemen. I think they're going to really have a good season for us this year. But he's trouble for anybody in there. So you can't discount that part of the defensive line. But then the other factor is Ogunjobi. And you're going to have Ogunjobi probably lining up against a rookie guard or Jackson Carmen, you know, whatever, however it pans out. I know Volson's going to start, but you have someone who knows the Bengals organization, who's very underrated, who's probably got a torch to burn against the Bengals. And then you add in your Miles Jacks and your High Smiths. You know, like they have a lot of guys to get after Joe Burrow. So, really, my biggest concern about Pittsburgh is them hurting Joe Burrow. And I mean, that's when I think about Pittsburgh, that's I'm like, you know, they're, they're probably not making the playoffs. They're probably going to be somewhere around 500. But I worry that they're going to scheme things up where they're going to get a few nice hits on Burrow. And, you know, that's the last thing any of us want. So let's move on to the Browns. And uh, they're one of my biggest concerns as well. So, Tom, let's um, if you could, let's elaborate a little more on your thoughts on that team. Yes, like I said, uh, Baker Mayfield had his games against the Bengals and struggled with other teams. I think them starting uh, Brissett, I think that'll bring that offense, like make them run first. And I, you know, I did their defense with Miles Garrett. I think finally you're going to see an all-around balanced team in Cleveland compared to other years where, you know, they were trying to force-feed Baker Mayfield into 
getting ball to certain receivers, blah, blah, blah. So I think you're going to see a, a real balanced team this year, and I think they're going to fight for the division lead. Jordan, what are your thoughts on the Browns? Browns are interesting because when you look at Jacoby Brissett, he's a quarterback who, you know, one play can make a great throw, and then the next couple plays, he'll look like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, they lost J.C. Treader, one of the better centers in the NFL. You know, he recently retired. They lost some pieces, but I see the Browns team, who's still decent. They have a good roster. And I believe Kevin Stefanski is 4-0 against the Bengals. That's something to look into. And if the Browns are kind of around that 500 area by the time when Deshaun Watson comes back from his suspension, I could see, you know, the Browns definitely competing in the AFC North. When Watson comes back, you know, I think you know, obviously the play in Cleveland is going to be much better. So I, I could definitely see a scenario where Cleveland is uh, maybe towards the top in the AFC North, right, kind of near us. But I, I still think this is kind of Cincinnati's division to lose right now. Excellent points. And, yeah, I, I broke down the games that they're going to have Brissett starting for, and there's a lot of winnable games in there, unfortunately. Justin, what are your thoughts on, on one of our biggest rivals, Cleveland? So I'm going to have a really strong take on this. Because I am just really annoyed with everything that's going on with Cleveland. I'm sick and tired of hearing them in every media outlet that's going on with the case of the Deshaun Watson and then the Baker Mayfield. My strong take is I do not buy into Cleveland at all. And I know that's going to be, that's going to come off as really sort of like I'm a hater to them. And it's really not. It's just they have too much dysfunction, too much drama. The Deshaun Watson situation, yes, he is a great quarterback, and they've plugged him into their system. But I personally believe that you need culture and soul to be able to be a great team. Bill Belichick once said that it's not about stockpiling talent, but you have to build the best team. I do not Cleveland. I do not think that Cleveland has built the best team in spite of having a lot of good talent on their squad. Yes, I understand Miles Garrett is one a top three pass rush in the NFL. I'll probably put him maybe number two or no no never mind. I'll put him number three. Uh Denzel Ward is a great shutdown corner. I also think they have a really great hidden gym and Greg Newsom that their that corner tandem and their secondary overall will be really nice. But something just tells me that Cleveland's gonna find every way to just mess up the situation like they always have before. Even when we looked at them back before when they had OBJ come there and then they did go to the playoffs as well in 2020. It, it's just they just didn't complete the job. They just didn't really finish to just put your foot on the throat. And I get it. A lot of Bengals fans are going to say, well, Baker Mayfield had our number. The Browns had our number. I know. But I also think that this is the year the Bengals even take a, a bigger leap that that comes to an end this year. And then I think that the Bengals are going to make a statement and beat them twice. I, I just can't buy into this Cleveland Browns team. And sure, I could be wrong. And I'll be happy to admit when I'm wrong. But for now, I just think that there's just too much going on up there. And I, I just I just would be hesitant to put any stock on the Cleveland Browns in this 2020 season. Deshaun Watson got 11 games. And I think by the time he comes back, Jordan did mention, and I kind of agree with this, that there is an interesting scenario that you can kind of see a pathway to them, maybe potentially making them a little late push if they're in the 500 category. But I just feel like that too many teams are going to be hunting for their heads because they're so sick of them being in the media outlet. They're more in the media outlet than the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are talked about a lot. And I feel like the Browns are in that same space with the Cowboys this coming season. And teams are not going to forget. Like, they, they just kind of wrecked the whole situation with that Deshaun Watson contract 
and they don't want them to reap any sort of benefits from that. So that's my take on Cleveland. Wow, you know that that's a that's a pretty interesting angle, and I and I do agree that Cleveland has kind of dominated the offseason NFL news and in a negative way, and that's a lot of distractions for a team. I don't know, I don't know, guys. I always feel that over the last few years that Cleveland just has our number, and and I like Jordan's point about you know Stefanski four and zero against us. That's that's trouble. It just seems like no matter how good our defense is, we have a hard time with Chubb. And the Browns are a team that was down for a while, so they built a good roster with a lot of high draft picks. And, yeah, they worry me. And the same thing with T.J. Watt hitting Burrow. Now you have Miles Garrett on Jonah Williams, and I think Miles Garrett has gotten the best of him over the years. And that's another thing. Like, I guess really one of my biggest concerns for this season playing any of these teams is them not getting to Burrow because if Burrow goes out, we're done. And we all know that. No disrespect to Brandon Allen, but that's just the truth. So, yeah, I, I would say the Browns are my biggest worry in the division based on their history with us and the talent on that roster. And you're bringing in Deshaun Watson, who's going to probably excel once he gets back. But hopefully we have enough of a lead on them where that doesn't matter. So let's move on to another hated team. And, and Tom, these guys are in your backyard, Baltimore Ravens. What are your thoughts, Tom? I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to bounce back. You know, they're getting they're getting a lot of guys back. Like, you know, that was their excuse last year. Too many injuries. I, I don't know how to take this team. I don't like Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. I don't think he can pass the ball. And that contract situation that he has, I think that's going to spell doom for that team this year. If they don't get come to an agreement, I think there's going to be some bad blood there. So I honestly don't know how to take them. They could have problems with, you know, with the wide receivers. Do they have the, the guys yet to fill that role? They, they they could never find quality wide receivers in the past with Lamar Jackson. Do guys step up this year? Do the guys who were out come back fully and contribute? who were out last year hurt. So they have a lot of question marks. So I just don't know how to take them. I honestly don't. Yeah, I agree. It is a little bit of a mystery because of the injuries last year. And we all know that Ravens fans are really leaning on the fact that they had all those injuries. And it is valid. But I mean, the and Jordan, you and I have talked about this before too, where there were years where the Bengals had a lot of injuries. And, you know, I, I don't think we were making as many excuses as the Ravens fans. But, you know, I just don't like the Ravens. Jordan, what are your thoughts on that team? All right, we've like you said, we discussed multiple times on my show. I cannot stand the Ravens, and I cannot stand Lamar Jackson. You look at the Ravens like you, last year, like you mentioned. You know, oh, they were hurt, they were hurt. Not once did you ever hear the Bengals. You know, when they lost a game, oh, well, Cincinnati was hurt. There was never an excuse for Cincinnati when we were hurt throughout all these years. But the second the Baltimore Ravens are injured, that's the only thing people talk about. And, you know, this team was hurt last year. I'm not going to say they weren't. But when they were healthy, they were the most overrated team in the NFL, and it wasn't even debate. And I said this the whole year last year. You look at this is a wild stat to me. And I don't know if this shows that how overrated Lamar Jackson is or just how inconsistent this Baltimore team was last year. When Lamar Jackson threw uh, multiple interceptions in a game, the Ravens were 4-0. When Joe Burrow threw multiple interceptions in the game last year, the Bengals were 0-4. And Lamar Jackson was bailed out so many times last year. 
Uh, Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions against Cleveland Browns last year. And since 2014, when teams threw four interceptions, they were 0-52. And that was the one time that a team won when they threw for more uh, – when they threw for four interceptions in one game. The Ravens had to make the longest field goal in NFL history just to beat the winless Lions. They came uh, back and beat the Indianapolis Colts in Monday Night Football. They were down 19 points. But people don't talk about the Colts uh, kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship, was hurt that game, and he missed two field goals and extra points. If he makes any of those, uh, the Ravens lose that game. The Ravens are the most, one of the most overrated teams uh, in the league this year, they were the most overrated team last year. Lou and Amaro was the defense coordinator who figured out Lamar Jackson. You look at last year when Jackson played the Bengals, he was not nearly as explosive as we've seen him in the past. I'm so sick and tired of hearing his Baltimore Ravens team possibly uh, winning the division. I, they are so overrated to me. They are not even close to the Bengals level right now. I love your hatred for that team. I I feel the same way. Justin, what are your thoughts on the Ravens? I'm so happy that Jordan said it's everything that he said about the Ravens because I also feel the same way. It's the same thing that I said about the Cleveland Browns. The Ravens are the exact same way. I had respect for them for many years. Even those battles where they've had our number, we've had their number. But they've always, the Ravens fans have always kind of looked at the Bengals like, oh, they're beneath us and that they're, that they're not on the Ravens level, that the Ravens brass shield is strong. No, you're not. See, okay, you're not Pittsburgh. Okay, I get it. You have a couple of Super Bowls in your back pocket, too. But let's not act like that the Bengals didn't also have your number for a number of years, too. We've had an even record with them for the longest time. Now, but the steer of me repeating everything that Jordan said, I will look at the prognosis of their squad, and it's all about Lamar Jackson. You know, that, that dude has dominated the headlines all offseason as well, too. And I've gotten sick and tired of hearing it to where – if this was literally any other team that's not a big market like where they are, I mean, they're not that big of a market, but you know what I mean. I feel like that the Ravens get a lot of excuses in the media eyes because let's say if Cleveland were in the same situation about their quarterback wanting out and stuff, people would dog Cleveland. Same thing that has happened with Carson Palmer back in the day, and we got dogs. But now Lamar is in a situation where I'm not saying he wants out of Baltimore. He has mentioned that he does want to stay in Baltimore. He doesn't want to be paid. But the Ravens are not trying to pay him. I don't hear you anybody making any statements of them getting the, oh, uh, they're, they're cheap. They don't want to pay their players and all this and that. But they do have some nice pieces. I will say that Mark Andrews is, in my opinion, the maybe the first or second best tight end in the league. That's probably a debate. I mean, because, you know, you got George Kittle and all that stuff. But I do like some of the stuff that they got going on. But, yeah, I'm not putting them on the same level as the Bengals. And, sure, at any given moment, they can really rise to the occasion and win a lot of games. But what Jordan said, I'm so happy he said it, they got bailed out so many times and that people made it seem like that once Lamar Jackson went down, then their season got derailed. No, their season got derailed long before then because Lamar got figured out by the Bengals, and then it was he had to play catch-up mode. Then you started to see that he wasn't able to use his razzle-dazzle athletic ability to, to bail you out. I remember vividly Miami shutting him down a few weeks after the Bengals played him, and he couldn't do anything. And that's what it just carried on. He mentioned again that he turned the ball over multiple times against Cleveland and happened to win that game. Well, you can also point out that Cleveland lost that game more than Baltimore won that game, in my eyes. So, I can't buy into the Ravens. Do I consider them to be a strength in the AFC? Maybe somewhat, yes. Do they have a shot of winning the AFC North Division? 
Yes, I guess you can say that based off their history. But the current state of the Baltimore Ravens, it all hinges on Lamar Jackson and his want to and his ability to want to play for the Ravens. That's what I got to say about them. Yeah, I, I, I want to comment on points that each one of you guys made because there was a lot, a lot to unpack there. But it confuses me with the Ravens. I, I'm one of the ones who thinks that Lamar Jackson has already peaked and he's on the way down just because he depended on his legs and legs get older, especially with a lot of carries and a lot of hits. And he's not a quarterback that really can win games with his arm unless he improves on that. And I'm just wondering what Baltimore's doing. I mean, you do have a franchise quarterback there, I guess, but the fact that they're not just throwing money at him, maybe they're seeing some of the things that we see and, and they're thinking that he's not the answer. But you know what? Good. Let them have those kind of problems. Let them have a disgruntled quarterback and not believe in their own organization. I don't mind it. I want to see the Ravens be down just as badly as you guys. But I think there was a lot of great points made. And they're another team that has a questionable offensive line as well. And you know we're used to the Ravens just being strong on both fronts they always had in the trenches they were always a a good team in the trenches and it feels like now they don't have as much of a pass rush and their offensive line isn't what it used to be so those are two factors that can lead to them not being as good as historically they have been and Tom you make a very good point about the wide receivers they've been wide receiver starved for a long time you know they, they reached out for veterans here and there and nothing ever seems to work out they drafted guys you know maybe Bateman turns into something but they, they haven't really hit on any of those guys yet. It's really like a run game and a tight end, and that's tough to beat a team like the Bengals when the Bengals have so many weapons. And on to Jordan, I mean, I, I just love the stats that you're bringing in with, with the four interceptions. It's like an 0-50-something record and all that stuff, and, you know, that, that's a lot of things. And the fact that you brought up some of the Ravens' wins last year, even though they finished below 500, there were so many games that could have really went the other way on them. So they could have been really below 500 if not for a long field goal or the Browns giving them the game back. So, yeah, I I agree on on those fronts. And, Justin, I think you make a very valid point that the Bengals have established the – were one of the teams that established the blueprint for defeating Lamar Jackson. It was – I guess it's it's spying him and blitzing him and whatever the Bengals defensively have done. And I I noticed the same thing with the Dolphins. I think both of our teams have kind of cracked the Lamar Jackson code, and uh, hopefully that continues on to this year. Don't forget that, that undefeated streak in preseason that they're that they're running on right now. I mean, unbelievable. They're they're trying to find, and ESPN buys into it. Oh, they haven't lost a preseason game in twenty something games or something. It's amazing how they try to build these teams up where the Bengals they killed their cheek, their this or that. But when it happens to other teams. Yeah, nothing said. I want to also bring up something too here. I, I mentioned, and I actually, I'm not going to lie, I actually stole it from a a, a commentator, a sports analyst, and I'm not going to really say his name to give him too much credit here. But I, I attribute it to like when you analyze quarterbacks, analyze it like you're buying stock into a business or a company or some sort. Would you buy stock in this quarterback? So, for example, with Lamar Jackson, I said a few years ago, I said to him, would you buy stock in Lamar Jackson? Yes, I would. I would buy stock in Lamar Jackson. But would I buy long-term stock in Lamar Jackson? No, I don't think I would. Because over time, as you mentioned, Frank, as a running quarterback, when you take enough hits, your value tends to decline. Maybe Lamar does sort of 
overcome that that odds and becomes that long-standing quarterback. But we've seen too many times in revisions history with Cam Newtons of the world, Michael Vicks, that he gets compared to all the time. You see these guys, they, they last long in the league, but they don't play at a high level for a very long time in the league. Now, this is not saying that Lamar is going to start playing bad and losing the football all over the place and then just get, you know, just get figured out all over the place. No, it's not necessarily saying that. It's just saying this is where you start to see the value of him decline, that even when he does put up astronomical numbers, it's not going to be enough for him to win these football games by himself. You know what? Good points. And, you know, while we're riding on this topic, Jordan, I wanted to get your thoughts as well, because, again, this is I know that I've spoken about this with Tom and Justin, especially because I know you're very focused on the national media and that's one of your specialties. Jordan, what's what's your opinion on the bias against the Bengals in the media? I, I just think it's ridiculous because if we were like a New York or L.A. team, uh, Dallas even, these top you know market teams, and if we went to the Super Bowl like we just did, everybody would expect us to go back. I mean, look at the Chargers last season. The Chargers did not make the postseason. Yet lots of people you know think they're going to be in the Super Bowl. I feel like a lot of that has to do with them being on top market. And and L.A. And you look at this, you know, markets like Cincinnati, Detroit, Cleveland, so many small market teams, they could pretty much do whatever they want. And they're never going to get this top national recognition they deserve because they're not at this top market team. And we were we were one minute away from winning the Super Bowl last year. And people like just forget like that never happened. It doesn't make sense to me. And the fact that we surprised everybody last year and this idea that all the Bengals store isn't that good or they're overrated or whatever, whatever people want to say. It's never going to change. I mean, we thought it was going to change last year based on us winning the division and going to the Super Bowl. The fact that it hasn't, I don't think it ever will. And uh, it's, it's just very frustrating that the national media will never kind of side with the Bengals no matter what. Even now, we're really, really good. And we're proving the national media wrong. They're never going to give us the credit like we definitely deserve. 100%. And I almost, I almost equate it to, like, the Pro Bowl or when they give out gold gloves in baseball it's like people just get stuck on past history. And there's teams such as ourselves who really, we are one of the best teams in the league, period. You look at the talent, you look at what we accomplished last year. We were technically the number two team in the league. And, you know, when, when you think about the way that we're portrayed, it's based on our past. And you look at teams like ourselves, Jacksonville. Like, come on, anyone who sees Jacksonville on their schedule is saying, oh, well, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. They're another team. They're, they're, they've been picking high for a long time, and they're stockpiling talent. Detroit is building a culture. That's another team that no matter, even if they went 12-5 and five this year, people will be like, oh, that's just the Lions. And, you know, there's certain teams that are kind of like pegged with that. And, you know, those are those biases where people just get used to a mindset. I mean, people still think that the Cowboys are a good team because of Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott from four or five years ago. You know, people are still riding that. And it, it, it is unfair, and I don't mean to be the crying Bengals fan about our national media attention but honestly it's not cool and you know it's something that I know all of us here are frustrated about and get used to it it's going to continue until we get a couple rings and yes not even one it'll we could probably win the Super Bowl this year and we'll still be picked below the Chargers in 2023 for who's going to win it so let's actually move on and Justin I want to ask your opinion on other teams in the AFC so we've we've covered our division there are some threats there. We all believe that the Bengals are going to win the division. Now, there's a couple other very good teams in the AFC. Justin, who do you have your eye on right now that concerns you or maybe who's 
being blown up more than they should be. What are your thoughts on the rest of the AFC? I'll go with two. One of them is one that we've all talked about a lot. Uh, it is the Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo Bills are the very best team in the AFC going into this season. They did. Uh, th- their big main addition was Von Miller, but they've also made some really good under-the-radar signings as well, too. I think that Buffalo is prone to make that run. Finally, Josh Allen is an amazing quarterback. There's no di- denying about it. Now, will I take him over Joe Burrow? The majority will take Josh Allen over Burrow, but I'm not because Burrow just has that special way to be able to win in games with his brain that I feel like Josh Allen is not there yet. The other team that I'm going to also look at is not the Kansas City Chiefs that everybody wants to keep throwing out there. It's actually a team in this division, and that's the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers have to make the playoffs this year. Justin Herbert is getting way too much praise, and rightfully so in the way that he's put up a great deal of numbers in his first two years in the league. But the L.A. Chargers have underachieved. And they were supposed to do exactly what the Bengals did last year. And the Bengals were supposed to be the team that needed to make the playoffs to make another jump this year. But the roles have reversed. The Bengals are the team that's doing exactly what everybody expected the Chargers to do. But the Chargers is not doing it. I do think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. But the reason why I have my eye on them, and it's not because of just Herbert, Herbert is a guy that I compare the same success level as a Burrow. They're in the same draft class. But if there's any team that worries me when it comes playoff time, if even if we do get a high enough seed, let's say the number two seed, if the Chargers get that seven seed, that's going to probably worry me a little bit. Now, I'm not going to be scared of the Chargers. I want a rematch against Herbert in the playoffs. But I just think that if they're coming in the playoffs hot and Herbert's on a streak, that could be a potential upset. And then our Super Bowl run ends in the wild card round. So those are the two teams that I personally got my eye on as a even though there's a ton of great teams in the AFC, but those are the two that I'm focusing on the most. Jordan, what are your thoughts on the rest of the AFC? Uh, the AFC is interesting because, I mean, the AFC is 10 times more tougher than the NFC. You're going to have teams in the AFC this year get, you know, 10 wins and miss the postseason. There's just so many good teams. A couple of teams uh, that kind of come to mind to me, really every team in the AFC West except for the Chiefs. And I, I know I sound crazy, I like the Broncos a lot. Russell Wilson is one of my favorite players in the league. I've been high in the Broncos the past couple of years, but I just needed to find that quarterback. You know, they finally got their quarterback, Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks the past decade. He has a way better offensive line now than he had with Seattle. He has some great weapons with Denver. He has a nice defense. Uh, Russell Wilson was able to take Seattle to the postseason just about every single year with a god-awful offensive line and some nice weapons. I cannot imagine what it's going to be like now with a much better offensive line and uh, some better weapons now in Denver uh, compared to Seattle. Uh, the Raiders are a team to watch out for. You look at Derek Carr last season. Derek Carr threw for 4,800 yards last year, and that was with Darren Waller missing six games. And now he gets arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL and Devontae Adams on this team. He already, he already has chemistry with because, you know, they played together at Fresno State. And something with the Raiders, you know, the, the Raiders nearly beat the Bengals in the postseason this past year. I mean, it was basically the last meaningful play of the game is when the Bengals, you know, clinched that victory over the Raiders, you know, with a uh, game-winning interception uh, with Jermaine Pratt. Uh, you know, he uh, mentioned the Chargers. The Chargers are another team. You know, they should have made it to postseason last year, but they didn't. Uh, they beat the Bengals by, I believe, 19 points last year. And, uh, you know, look at the Bengals last year. They were really good, but the Chargers still were able to really uh, manhandle the Bengals last year. I want to see you know, how good the Chargers are this year because, you know, with the additions of J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, I think Herbert's going to take another uh, leap in production this year. 
even though I feel like I'm one of the only few Bengal fans who actually really like Herbert. Um, another team is the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think they're one of the best teams in the league. And, um, but of all the AFC teams to me, I feel like I'm kind of concerned about the, the Bills the most, but more specifically in the postseason. Because when you look at the Bills, you know, uh, it snows in Buffalo. And, you know, when you look at this Bengals team, they don't really have a, a long history of playing in really, really cold weather and don't play in the snow a lot. So if there's a situation where, I mean, we're playing in the snow in Buffalo, that concerns me way more than compared to playing, let's say, you know, the Chargers, you know, in, in a you know dome, basically. Uh, but those, to me, are kind of the teams I'm looking at, aside from the Bengals, in the AFC this year. I've been hating on the AFC West with all the attention that they're getting, and I, I almost felt they were overrated, some of those teams. But hearing you talk about the Broncos, you're right. The Chargers, you're right. I mean, even the Raiders, it, it did take a late interception in the playoffs to beat them, even though we had a, a superior roster. Tom, what are your thoughts on the rest of the AFC? I agree with what everybody else has been saying. I'll even throw in the Dolphins. I think if, if Tua can be, you know, he has to step up this year. With Tyreek Hill there, with their tight end that they have, they could put up some numbers. Yeah, I think the, the Raiders are going to take, a, I think, a step back this year because they got to sift through all the Gruden-Mayock mess. And, uh, but I think McDaniel, you know, this is his uh, second chance as head coach. I think he's going to learn from his mistakes the first time and step up. Uh, so I think they're gonna, it's going to take a, a year. So, you know, not to, to repeat, but the AFC is loaded. And um, it's going to be, I think, who's the least hurt. Jordan, when you mentioned the Chargers about us pretty much man-to-handling the Bengals last season, don't forget that score was very misleading uh, of what it showed. I know it showed a 19-point win for them, but really it felt more like a three-point loss that could have easily been a four-point win for the Bengals just because so much things have just swung out of their favor with the fumble by Mixon, the, um, the muff punts. It, the, remember the tipped interception that Jamar had it right in his hands and could have been seven points but ended up getting tipped backwards for a pick. It was a number of those things that really fell in the Chargers' favor. And that as that game went on, the momentum was clearly swinging the Bengals' way. And that was even with Burrow dislocating his pinky in that game. Like, the pressure was on Herbert. He was not delivering. He was getting sacked a lot. Um, he got picked a few times. So it was it was showing that the Bengals was really going to come back on the charge and come back on a pretty good. Uh, the other thing that I also want to make is the sneaky team that no one's really talking about, per se, that is even in the discussion of potentially being a playoff team. Newer to even be a team period that's going to do anything nice, but they like what they have building is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I mean, are we going to forget like that we didn't just anoint Trevor Lawrence the next great thing coming out of the draft? Not really. I'm not going to forget that. The dude has a lot of talent. Uh, it's just it was a disastrous situation last year. I just feel like that Jacksonville is right in that infancy stage where they may not figure out how good they might potentially be until maybe too late. And then they start rattling off some wins, maybe a 7-10, 8-9 kind of a year. But if they do happen to make the playoffs as a 7th seed over some of these AFC powerhouses that we're talking about, the AFC conference being loaded, it's not going to necessarily shock me. I'm actually going to be more impressed. 
you make very good points about them. I guess in in my case, I'm most worried about the Bills because they seem to have a very talented roster. And Jordan's right about even though we're a cold weather team as well, it would be tough to go up there in the snow and and fare well against them. So they're probably my biggest concern. I I know we're all underestimating the Chiefs. We kind of figure their best days are behind them, and that might be true. But they do have an axe to grind against the Bengals because we embarrassed them twice last year and ended their chances for the Super Bowl. So they still worry me, maybe not to win the AFC, but to be a threat to us because, again, it's hard to beat a team multiple times. We all know that too. So, you know, there's someone that could be a thorn in our side. And, yeah, every every team you guys brought up, I mean, the, the Broncos, the Raiders, you never know with, with Jacksonville. But I, I would say another team that none of us have talked about yet, and here's another team that I don't think is Super Bowl bound but can still – win a playoff game against us or any team, and that's the Colts. And it, I guess it's going to depend on what Matt Ryan does with them. He seems like he doesn't have that much left in the tank, but you never know. They're, a, a, again, another very talented roster. Not a lot of household names, but, you know, obviously they have the running game. They have a defense. They have the, one of the best offensive linemen in football. So they're a, a backdoor team that could give us trouble too. And I do like the whole weather thing. Like, I think I'm very competitive with Burrow versus Herbert. Because they were drafted around the same time. You know, people that don't study the game as much as we do just think that Herbert's better because he has better stats and a stronger arm. So, you know, they're a team that I always seem to root against at this point, even though Herbert's a likable guy. I think what's going to mess the Chargers up is they're going to have to play some cold-weather playoff games unless unless they're, you know, a one or a two seed. And I think that's going to mean the end for them. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to go to the playoffs if they get through that gauntlet of their division. But then... I, I like Sandy. I, I like L.A. coming to Cincinnati or going to Buffalo in the playoffs. Same thing with Miami, Tom. You, you brought them up. They're a talented roster with a good defense and a lot of weapons and a team that no one's talking about as well that has another shot at, at being a playoff team. But, again, they're going to have to come up to the cold weather in the playoffs. So there's a lot of threats in the AFC. I guess that's what this all boils down to. With that said... Let's move on to our final topic, and it would be a prognosis of what we think the Bengals' record is going to be. So, Jordan, what what are you feeling this year? Uh, well, this is interesting because obviously, you know, the Bengals have a phenomenal season last year, and you know, everybody has high hopes for this year. You know, offensive line was horrible last year. They bring a new um, offensive lineman starters, three new offensive linemen, really four with Bolson starting this year. Something interesting though, when you look at the Bengals last year. This is a team who, in years past, were just so unlucky throughout games. And I, I'm i not trying to be you know against my team here, but when you look at last year, there were times last year we got pretty lucky compared to years past. You know, we had seven wins last year, including the postseason, that we won by one possession. That's kind of unheard of when you look at the Bengals. Uh, prior to this past year, we could just never win one possession games. You know, we had multiple games where, you know, Evan McPherson – to get a game-winning kick for us, but it's kind of interesting looking at the Bengals last year to now. We did get lucky, but I still expect us to be really good. This year, I think we're going to have a slight improvement, not a significant improvement, because, I mean, this division, even though we all four of us expect the Bengals to win the AFC North, these games aren't easy. I mean, the Ravens are a good team. The Browns are a good team. Like I mentioned, uh, Stefanski's 4-0 against us. Mike Tomlin's, you know, Year in, year out, has the Steelers be one of the best teams in the NFL. I'm kind of looking at an 11-6. and six. You know, last year we were 10-7. and seven. I'm kind of looking at an 11-6, and six, 
I think we're going to have at least one, maybe two games where we lose that we absolutely should not. It happens every single year. I mean, look at this last season. We swept the Steelers, Ravens, and Chiefs. Nobody expected uh, that to happen for us. But at the same time, we lost to the Bears in the freaking Jets. Like, we're going to have a game or two where we just slip up and kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. But, you know, some of these games in, like, Buffalo, I think we can maybe lose there. I wouldn't be shocked if we maybe lost the game against Pittsburgh, you know, some of these teams. The Saints, I think that's an interesting matchup. I, honestly, you know, talking about, you know, the games possibly losing an upset loss, I could see us losing to Carolina. I know I sound crazy, but when you look at the best quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady's number two, and Mayfield against the Bengals seems like he's number one. Like, he's, he plays like he's Joe freaking Montana when the Bengals play against Baker Mayfield. I'm looking at an 11-6 and six, uh, Bengals record this season. My ceiling for the Bengals is probably uh, 12-5, and five, but 11-6, and six, and I expect us to um, win the Ace North for the second consecutive season. Justin, what are your thoughts on the Bengals record? So I'm actually going to be a little bit really optimistic on the Bengals, and it's not kind of it's not really me saying that I'm going to come off as delusional, even though it might sound like it. But I love what I saw from this team as they grew last year. I was really optimistic on them last year, and I predicted a 10 and 7 season, even though people were telling me to predict a 7 and 10 season because Burrow was coming off of an injury, and you know they were getting a lot of their pieces back. I just believed in the heart of the team, and I also just believed so much in Joe Burrow. I also understand, Jordan, you said that we got really fortunate in certain games that it could have easily swung the other way. 100% agree with you on that. But I also just feel like that that's kind of like the magic of Burrow karma in a sense where we would not have seen the same thing with Andy Dalton. I just think that that's just that level of play that teams around just know that if we got a great quarterback we that knows that he can put the team on his back, let's get it for him. But the game that showed me last year of I know this Bengals team is great no matter who the opposition has on their team was last year's game against the 49ers. Even when I know that that was a loss, it just felt like a moral victory, kind of like of a win, even though I know there's no moral victories. When you look at the Super Bowl, obviously everybody wants to say all the last play and all that happened. Look, I didn't expect the Bengals to win the Super Bowl based off of how we got there. And looking at the crux of the Rams, you were just a loaded team that unfortunately our magic sort of just ran out. But for us to still compete to the very end was just so impressive to the point where I'm not, that's why I don't look at this Bengals team as a Super Bowl hangover. I look at them as, I look at that Super Bowl loss as they're going to pretty much reverse the trend of what's been happening when the quarterback loses the Super Bowl. They never really get back or never really get any close. I think that this Bengals team is going to do so much more production going into this year. So here's what I have I have, as a safe bet, I have a 12 and 5 record, but at best, I think they're going to be 13 and 4. I did mention that I, uh, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be the best team in the AFC. I have the Bengals having that number two seed right behind them. What I believe that they need to do to get over that, that mental hurdle, number one, they have to beat the Dallas Cowboys in week two. They haven't beaten the Cowboys since 2004. That's bad. I get it. The Cowboys are America's team and all this and that and the other. But please beat Dallas. You're in Texas in that game. I think that Burrow's going to showcase that. Remember his LSU 2019 and week two, he went on the road to Austin and <laughs> just dismantled the Texas Longhorns. I think there's going to be something similar like that in week two against the Cowboys. The second point is you need to beat Cleveland. I get it. They've had our number. We, we've had and solved their Rubik's Cube. I don't think – I'm not scared of Cleveland at all. As I even said before earlier, I'm, I, just, I just don't buy into their team. I wish Deshaun Watson was playing because I don't want to hear any excuses from Browns fans or anything like that. I think that the Bengals will beat Cleveland, and I think they'll beat them twice. 
And last but not least, you got to beat Baker Mayfield, too, with the Carolina Panthers. Because, yes, you don't want to have a letdown, especially against the Panthers when you're here at home. You're going to have all those Baker fans that's going to travel from Cleveland if there's still any of them left and come to uh, Cincinnati for that game. You gotta, you gotta make sure you take care of business there. Uh, but I think that the twelve and five record is my safe bet. I'm gonna stick with that. But thirteen and four does not seem outlandish to me. I, I'll take either one of those records, Tom. What do you, what are your thoughts on our record for the season? Um, I'm looking at the schedule now, and I mean they got some really tough, tough games. I mean everybody's forgetting that. You know, they played Tennessee this year, and they want revenge uh, after what the Bengals did to them last year in the playoffs. You know, looking at this, I think the winnable games are their division games. If they can if they can sweep the division, that will be, uh, you know, a test in itself. But, um, you know, Tampa Bay... At New England, I mean, even though New England's down, that's Bill Belichick, Kansas City again. When when we, like Justin just said, I mean, who would have thought the Bengals were going to go to the Super Bowl? I mean, Frank, you know me, I'm, a, a, you know, very negative, or I'm always negative about this team, or something happened, but what Bengal fan felt confident with over a minute left in that game, this is at least tied going on that with that minute left into that Super Bowl. And for what they did in the offseason to address the offensive line the way they did, I'm going to go with Justin. I'm looking at least 12 and 5. I think they're going to just get better. Uh, teams are already copied what the Bengals did last year in the draft, trying to get twice in the offense with the, you know, Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow combo. So, you know, they're setting trends around the league, seeing what can be done with offensive weapons. But I think the sky's the limit for this team, and as long as Joe Burrow's healthy, I honestly think I can easily see 12 and 5. Wow, Tom. Coming from you and, and our history, it's it's very rare that you predict that many wins in a season. So I think that bodes well for this. Like like you guys have mentioned, I think it was Tom who mentioned it earlier, a lot of it is going to depend on who the healthiest team is, unfortunately. And you see that year after year. You know, everyone's got a loaded roster pretty much. And, you know, we can make a case for five different teams that can go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. And we were very lucky last year that we avoided major injuries. So I think that's going to be a big part of it. And even when we had David Klingler and Achilles Smith and John Kitna days and a struggling Carson Palmer later on, I always said that the Bengals are going to go 11-5. and five. That's just my, my running, I guess, inside joke that I always... Yeah, I'll give them 11 wins no matter what any season. But, I mean, in the past that was dreaming for the most part. But this year, that's that's I think that's very valid for us. But I'm going to go one step further than that. I think they're going to go 12-5. and five. That's my hope for this year. And again, it will depend on health. Because if Burrow goes out, that we're not going to get 12 wins, obviously. And I think the health of Jamar Chase and the health of Trey Hendrickson, 
I would say that those three guys in particular, if there's injuries to them, and maybe you want to throw Mixon into that, that that could adversely affect our record. Aside from those four, I think we can withstand injuries to the rest of the roster. But rather than me keep rambling about it, I'm going to say 12-5 and five, into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl. I don't care what anyone says. That's my prediction. So anyway, guys, I, I really wanted to thank all three of you for coming on. It, it was exactly what I expected. So many entertaining, valid, informed takes. And I, I really want to do this again. So um, let's start off with uh, Jordan. Jordan, how do people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at the Sports Dude Show on Instagram, the S Dude Show on Twitter, and also... Uh, you can you know follow, uh, check out my YouTube channel, the Sports Behind Show on uh, YouTube. I would greatly appreciate it. You can check it out and subscribe. You know, had an interview last week with uh, a former Vikings player. Had an interview with um, Inky Woods not too long ago. Have lots of Bengals content coming out, trying to get it done before uh, the season starts. But yeah, uh, you can check me out at uh, those places. Without a doubt, and anyone listening, that is that is so worth it to do. There are very few Bengal fans that I've met. I mean, I can count them on maybe a finger or two that have the same knowledge about this team and about the league as you, Jordan. So, absolute pleasure. Justin, how do people find you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at J-U-T-T-Y underscore 13. All right, well, be prepared for that account to go viral. Your your takes on Twitter are outstanding. Your knowledge of history, I know we, we when we got together, you know, you're bringing up things that I've forgotten about the team. So, you're like an encyclopedia of NFL knowledge, and I, I really enjoy what you brought to this episode and to the show. Tom, how do people find you on social media? I'm at McLeavy Minute on Twitter. And Tom, I know you're you're not always like trying to sell yourself out there as as being the NFL guru. You kind of just fly under the radar and do your thing. But man, you know, in in our friendship together, you have educated me so much on the game of football and. You know, your your knowledge of the Bengals and their history is, is pretty much unrivaled as well. And it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much, Frank. And uh, once again, congratulations, buddy. It was a, uh, I remember you calling, calling me on the phone when the pandemic started, saying, uh, I'm going to get a podcast. And uh, lo and behold, 100 episodes later, congratulations, buddy. The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Casey Norris. All right, we're here with a good friend of mine, an Air Force veteran, soon to be a doctor, diehard Bengals fan. I'd like to welcome Casey Norris. Casey, how are you today? I'm doing well, Frank. How are you? All right, man. Good to get you back on this 100th episode. Yeah, absolutely. I always enjoy my time on the unofficial Bengals podcast, and I love talking Bengals football. You know what? I was going back into our our DM history. I didn't realize it was so extensive because I was like, all right, let me let me grab Casey's number for this interview. And then I started flipping through, and I'm like, wow, we've spoken volumes on this team. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's funny you say that I was kind of doing the same. And just those text messages after after we beat the Titans, after we beat the Chiefs, and it, it, it was bringing those memories back, and it was just, just like how, how much fun last season was. You planning on going to any games this season? I'll probably just 
hold out for the regular hold out the regular season and, and probably go to a playoff game. My wife and I made it to the uh, the Tennessee game down in Nashville, and it was honestly the the most exciting, most fun football game experience I've, I've ever had. The whole upper deck uh, in Tennessee was Bengals fans, and it was just as loud when Cincinnati scored as it was when Tennessee scored. And everybody was, it was just a, a party the whole game. It was a great experience. I'm, I definitely want to uh, to go back to a, a playoff game. So I think I'm just going to hold out for the regular season and and, uh, and and wait for the playoffs. Yeah, what a great game for you to go to. I mean, that Tennessee game, that was, that was the one that, you know, it's us facing the one seed. You're not sure if we're going to go past them. And, and there we were. What a, what a change in just a short amount of time, even just two and three years ago. We would be ecstatic to even talk about potentially making the playoffs. And both of us are over here like, yeah, we're probably going to make the playoffs. Do we want to go to the first playoff game or the second playoff game? I mean, it's just how quickly the Bengals organization has turned around. Um, how you feeling about what we've done this offseason? We've made some great moves this offseason. Bringing in the center, Ted Karras. They, they get so much film of these practices now. These practices are, are, are almost aired live, it seems, with all the clips that you get. And... Um, you know, this new center we brought in is, is locking down Aaron Donald. And obviously, that whole situation with Lyle Collins sticking around in Cincinnati, guys are at uh, at the mall yelling out that, you know, please sign in Cincinnati. And he's just talking about you know, going to different players' homes and whatnot and really liking Cincinnati. And kind of interesting that he, he actually took the same amount of money or even maybe even a little less to go to Cincy than to stay in Dallas which just says so much. And then, obviously, we get some guys back. The guy I'm probably the most excited to see was uh, Joseph Osai. I want to run down the schedule for the 2022 season and get your opinions on what you think would be a win or a loss. I know it's kind of hard to predict that now, but if you're down with it, let's let's head into it. All right, week one, Steelers at Bengals. What are you thinking? I was just talking with my Steelers friends uh, I have a resident who's a good friend that's a big, big Steelers fan. He says, you know, I've been a Steelers fan for a long time. I'm used to the Steelers winning. I'm used to the Bengals losing. He said, I don't think I even want to watch this game. I don't think it's even going to be close. What are you thinking at Cowboys week two, a four o'clock primetime game? Cowboys have one of the better left tackles in the in the whole NFL and just tore his ACL a week or two ago. And you don't just replace one of the best tackles. So... Obviously, we have one of the better defensive ends in Trey Hendrickson, so it'll be interesting to see how how they're able to replace their left tackle, uh, and, and you know maybe that's a two three sack day for for Trey Hendrickson, and then like I talked about earlier, uh, Joseph Osai. I like our chances. I mean, just because the left tackle is is probably the second most influential position on an offense behind the quarterback. So, like I said, I like our chances against the Cowboys in my backyard coming to the Meadowlands and the Bengals versus the Jets. Yeah, I like the Jets young guys, right? So the the corner, the corner that Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, he didn't allow a touchdown at all at Cincinnati. And then in the preseason, he didn't even allow a completed pass, I believe. So that'll be a, a really fun matchup to watch between he and Chase. But then outside of him, they're they're still struggling to, to get going. Like, you know, they still have a hard time figuring out who's going to play quarterback. I don't think they're going to have enough to, to beat the Bengals. I think we get that one. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm in the New York market, and they talk about the deficiencies of that team all the time. And you know what? Maybe Jamar Chase will be the first guy to score on Sauce Gardner in, in a long time. I'm kind of looking forward to that matchup as well. What are you thinking going Thursday night home against the Dolphins? The Dolphins are kind of scary, honestly. They are really building a team over there. I think they might give us a run a run for our money, but I think that uh, I think that we still get the Dolphins. Right after that, another primetime game, Sunday night at Ravens. How are you feeling about that? You know, I, I don't know if people share this thought with me, but I think the Ravens are actually a top-two team in the NFL. They, they were the most injured team last year. They had like 20 guys on the IR. I mean, when we played them, it was 18, 20, 20 guys on the injured reserve list last year, but they are solid all around. They have a really, really good offense. They got J.K. Dobbins coming back. I think a lot of people like to point out the fact that, you know, Jamar Chase had something like 200-plus receiving yards on them last year. But the Ravens are a, a solid team. I, I think that if we're – obviously, we, I don't think that we're going to go undefeated. And if one of our losses, I could definitely see being against the Ravens. Fair enough. I mean, you expect it to split with your divisional rivals. Hopefully you sweep them, but, it, you know, most of the time you split with them. So I would say that's a logical choice. What about going down to play the Saints in New Orleans, LSU territory? Yeah, I think that's the first going to be the first game back, right, for Burrow and Chase. The Saints are kind of an outlier. I'm not sure what to think about them. They've, they've got Jameis Winston, who seems like he can just play lights out, be the best quarterback, or, you know, the next Sunday he can throw five interceptions. So I think they're going to kind of ride, ride or die with uh, how well Jameis Winston plays if he has a great game. It's going to be really tough if he has a poor game. It might be a blowout. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that we'll get that game, but not completely sure. What about Falcons coming into Cincinnati in late October? First off, I want to thank the Falcons. Thank you very much for Hayden Hurst. Probably the best, one of the best, at least, uh, additions in the offseason. Our offense is going to have another level. Athletic, receiving, tight end. I know a lot of people liked our tight end from last year, and he was—he got the job done. I think that people will see this year just how good the tight end position can get when you have Joe Burrow at quarterback and Joe Mixon at running back and Jamar Chase at wide receiver. Now, the Falcons, I don't think, are going to have what it takes to get the Bengals. Um, yeah, I think I think we get the Falcons. At Browns, Monday night, how you feeling about that one? The, the Browns, I think, are going to be a lot better than people expect. They still have a, they still have the best defensive end in the game in Miles Garrett. They still have probably the best cornerback in the game in Denzel Ward. If you remember, Denzel Ward held Jamar Chase to thirty or sixty yards receiving something something ridiculous. When you can play good defense, you can beat anybody. So the Browns could get us. Again, can't go undefeated, or most people don't. But so I, I would, I would say that. Maybe the Browns get us on October 31st. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I think you're pretty accurate. After eight weeks, you have us at 6-2, and two, which I don't think a lot of Bengals fans would argue with. And the two losses are fair. They're divisional road games. So I think you're, you're calling a pretty sound prediction at this point. After eight weeks, we're home against the Panthers. What about that one? The Panthers have probably one of the better offenses in talent. I just don't think that Baker Mayfield has what it takes I mean, just because I've watched him play so much with the Browns, I don't think the Panthers have a great defense to beat the Bengals. you got to have a great defense. 
I think we get the Panthers. Okay, then we head into the bye week. After that, it's at Steelers on Sunday night. Yeah, this is a quick one. I think I think that's a for sure game, November 20th. I think by November 20th, the Steelers are going to be kind of in rebuilding mode. Let's see maybe what the backup quarterback can do. Let's see, if, you know, I think it's going to be a tough year for the Steelers. That's something I really like to hear. What about the next week at Titans? And are we going to have a KC Norris appearance in the building? <laughs> the, yeah, that, that Nashville game was, oof, that was so much fun. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun to get to get back there. No, the, the Titans are, are great. But <laughs> my wife will probably roll her eyes to hear this. But, you know, at the end of the game, when the Titans had the ball in the playoffs, I, I told everybody around me, I said, listen, guys, I am confident in Tannehill's ability to lose this football game. And he throws a, he throws a pick. I think that's probably what's going to hold back the Titans. The Titans have an amazing team. They have a great defense, even though they just had a defensive end tear his ACL recently. But obviously they can run the ball as well as anybody in the league. But they, they don't have it a quarterback. So I think that I think that we can get the Titans. Chiefs at Cincinnati, four o'clock primetime game. How you feeling about the uh the Chiefs who have a little bit of an axe to grind with the Bengals? They really do. They really do. I think that the Chiefs are, are still not what they were. They're definitely not what they were two and three years ago. They're not what they were last year. But you kind of you almost have to kind of play a numbers game. I mean, how many times in a row can you beat a team with an elite quarterback and probably the best tight end in the game? I'd like to go with the Bengals on this one, but I, I think that's a that's a toss up game on December fourth. Fair enough, and I think you bring up a good point. It's hard to beat a good team repeatedly. What about the next week with the Browns coming into Cincinnati for round two? Yeah, I think that the I think the the Bengals take care of business in Cincinnati against the Browns. It'll be kind of the end of the season. I think the Browns will kind of be in rebuilding mode by that time uh, as well as the Steelers. Um, I think that we get get the Browns on December 11th. Next week at Buccaneers, another primetime 425 game. Assuming Tom Brady settles his marital stuff and, and comes back to play, how are you feeling about going down to Florida to face those guys? Yeah, I think that the Buccaneers... They got weaker. December 18th, they're probably going to be ramping up. They're probably, they are probably going to be in a situation where it's it's must-win must win football at that point where Bengals probably won't be in that situation, must-win. I think with, with them potentially being in the position of having to win that game to get into the playoffs and having one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it and one of the better wide receivers in the league, it's going to be hard to... Uh, going to be hard to beat them at their place in in crunch time so that might that might be a loss yeah valid point there I mean it could go either way obviously as as we both know but the fact I like the fact that you brought up that they might have a lot more at stake than us when that when that game comes around what about at Patriots back to the cold weather the next week what are you feeling about that one Christmas Eve 1 p.m that, that's going to be a, a fun game the Patriots had a good season last year. They seemed like a fundamentally sound team. I don't think that they're a great team. You know, people talk about the weather and whatnot. And they ran the ball 40-some times to win a, a game late in the season last year. The Titans can't beat us on the run. The Patriots aren't going to beat us on the run. 
I totally agree with you there. I, I don't think the Patriots are nearly as big of a threat as they were in the past. All right, the big game, which could be some kind of playoff preview of sorts. Bills at Bengals, Monday night, late in the season. What are you feeling? I'd love to say that I think that the Bengals get this game. It's, it kind of goes back to that situation with the Buccaneers where Bengals, I don't, I don't think, are going to be in a situation where they have to win this game. Obviously, the Bills have one of the better quarterbacks with Josh Allen. He's able to run it and throw it pretty well. I think it's a toss-up. The Bills are a, are a great team. I think Bills and Bengals kind of are right at the, the same spot as far as their placing in best teams in the NFL. I'm okay giving that giving that to the Bills. You know, the Bengals, like I said, hopefully won't absolutely need that one at that time anyways. And then the last game, time still to be announced, home against the Ravens. If we lose the first one to the Ravens, and this comes down to who wins the division, I, I think we get this one. It's at the Bengals. You know, last game of the year, I think that Burrow's going to be firing on all cylinders at that point. It's it's going to have a little bit more meaning than the Bills game the week before. Like I said, I think the Ravens are top one, two team in the NFL, but I, I think we get them last game of the year. I like it. I, in all honesty, you know, I, I always want want to see the Bengals go seventeen and zero. And but the reality is, no one's going to win every game, no matter how good Joe Burrow is, no matter how on the team is. You know, you're still going to lose a few games. And I think that the losses that you pointed out were all pretty logical. Some divisional road losses, the Chiefs' revenge game, the Bills. I mean, and Tom Brady. Those are all feasible games to lose. Hopefully, that isn't the case, but. You have us at 12-5, and five, and honestly, if someone told me 12-5 and five right now, I would take it. Casey, it was great having you on and great talking to you again. Hey, my pleasure. Always a great time. Thanks for having me. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Steelers game and a preview of the Cowboys game, and we're going to bring back Chris Del Gordio, our resident Cowboys expert. He was on the show a few years ago with a great segment, and it's going to be fun to have him back on. We're also going to have another Nick Levy Minute, and Justin Lacey is going to stop in to talk about the games as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.